Welcome, friends, to the Soul Talk podcast, a show where we explore and uncover the path to the heart, amplifying your conscience. Join me as we meet incredible souls who are in this journey and learn from their experience and different methods that will make you vibrate your heart. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. This is Monica Ramirez, Warrior of Love. And we're in Soul Talk, and it looks like I'm in the box today because I don't know too much about cameras. So I apologize for the squares. <laughs> I hope it doesn't show up in the video. But I don't know too much about cameras, so let me make start with that. And I'm sorry if it bothers you. I try to promise in the future I will get someone again to help me to remove this box. <laughs> so... I'm sorry. I promise you I'm out of the box usually. <laughs> But today we have a very, very special person that, my gosh, she has done everything in the spiritual world. Her name is Julianne Goddery. Uh, I hope I pronounce her well. She is the spiritual alchemist energy uh, experience podcaster. She's an author, she's a medium, oracle card reader, a cashier record channeler, media, and also she's way more things that we're going to be asking her. And I hate that box. <laughs> well, my expertise do not get that big in this area, but well. Thank you, Julie, for being here with me, and thank you for accepting this Uh, to be in this podcast, we'll talk, and this is a conversation between two friends that our friendship is not, is not started here. It goes way, way more farther away. And uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Let's start with that, because that's, I believe that's a big thing for, uh, for you. And I see you and you have amazing people in there. Well, first of all, thank you for having me and, and allowing me to share what I do with your, your audience. Um, my podcast came about because of the pandemic. And um, interesting enough, getting outside of my box, <laughs> outside of my comfort zone, I, um, you know, spirit, I knew that part of my life purpose is to um, speak publicly. And so that was just the first step in, in doing that and getting out of my box. <laughs> and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, bringing myself to the light. And, you know, at first it, it was very bumpy. I, I found myself having to read a lot. And I didn't really like that. I still don't. But, you know, it's it's part of that journey. And I, I've been, been enriched by the experience, by learning other people's stories, their modalities, and what they do to help others in the world. And, and you know, every time I have a guest on, I learn something new from them or about myself. So I'm sure you do the same with your podcast. Yes, definitely. I, I started because of that. I wanted to have interesting conversations with people and also trying to learn more modalities and, and trying to learn more things. 
And then just magic appears more. I have more downloads and and so forth. And it's been a quite experience having the podcast. Right, right. There was something else I wanted to add about um, doing the podcast. It, it, it's just a growth experience overall. And bringing those modalities to your audience and um, sharing that with them so they can enrich their lives and empower them in their path. I agree. And uh, and thank you because you let me be part of your podcast. And it was really a, a great experience. I believe most of the time I was channeling in, in there. <laughs> you were busy. And going to that theme, I, I saw that you're also a medium and, uh, and a channeler. And a lot of the times when we're channeling and when we're uh, – it goes goes in automatically that we don't even know when we're doing it, but we're doing it. And it's like, oh, what have I said? That sounds very interesting. That's part of the channeling. How is your experience when you're a medium or you're channeling? Oh, well, when I'm channeling, it's very interesting. It's, you know, you kind of, you know, you get out of your own way to receive that message. For whether it's um, for yourself or for others, you know, um, and and what comes through is very interesting. You know, I, I've been doing a lot of channeling for people, and it's just been very. You know, every experience is unique. Yes. Have you noticed that sometimes when you're channeling, or they have, uh, you have heard that when you're channeling your face change or your factions or your voice or things like that change? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, um, so one, one of the things I will do is I remote view and I can channel ghosts. And so I kind of can feel their, their, um, their personalities come through and, and um, somehow like they're, their voice, how they talked, how they presented themselves comes through. So it's really interesting. How is your experience between channeling? Well, I call it the difference. Well, I want to know your opinion, uh, your your point of view, not mine. What is uh, channeling and what is uh, mediumship? What is the difference between both of them? Um, mediumship, I would say that is more communication with those beyond the veil. Like ghosts and things like that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know, yeah, you know, people that have passed. Mm -hmm. And then channeling can be anything, pretty much. You can still receive those types of messages, like mediumship. Mm -hmm. But it's you can also channel all kinds of different information. But how do you translate it in your body when you're doing the... Well, I know when you're channeling, it is different to sensations and emotions and the, even healing. Uh, uh, it can go even in healing. But when you're doing the mediumship and you're... Uh, um, talking with ghosts or or channeling uh the ghost how it feels in your body 
Hmm. That's interesting. Cause there, there, there's, there is a definite difference there. It feels more when I'm doing mediumship, it feels more like it's in my head. There's a conversation going on in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, with channeling, I get more visions or impressions or feelings, um, sensations of feelings, and and also information in my head from spirit. My my experience channeling. Um people that have passed on and so forth, I felt like my energy was also being sucked. So I, that's why I try to avoid uh, actually mediumship because of that, unless some message come through, but without lending my body because of that. But uh, that's why I was asking you, because this is a, this is how we learn podcasters between podcasters. <laughs> and, and, and healer to healer and different modalities. Yes too as well um it's really interesting that you bring that up i just went blank (laughs) but have you felt the the energies because it's more dense of someone that passed on that uh that ascended master or angels Um, or whatever you know i had (laughs) a couple experiences as a healer and it taught me that i'm um a really highly sensitive empath. And so in those situations, in one of them, I mean, and these, this was dealing with people that are here. <laughs> and one of them was a friend that I, I care about very much. And I've known since sixth grade and they had a backache and I went and I, I did an oil blend for them and I took it to them at work and I gave them a hug. And that was on a Friday afternoon. Well, by Sunday, I was in bed crying with a backache. And then it dawned on me, oh, maybe I caught this. So I, you know, messaged this person. I'm like, "Um, can you say some affirmations? Is this going on in your life? And then as soon as that happened, we broke that um, Connection. uh, connection. I was out of pain. And, you know, then I, I was doing cranial sacral work and doing Reiki with someone at the same time. And I kept hearing, this is a learning lesson. Spirit kept saying, stop, stop. No, I didn't listen. So I ended up, you know, getting something stuck in my lungs for about two months. I tried everything to get it out. I had to go online and ask other empaths, does this happen? And they, they, completely described what I was feeling and um, eventually it went away, but I learned to ground myself in a way and disconnect from the energies as well as cleanse and protect, which is very, very important when you do any kind of, you know, energy work. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, uh, that you do Reiki and cranial what? Craniosacral. Craniosacral. How, how is that? Can you explain me a little bit? Uh, craniosacral is actual, um, it's a massage. And um, 
I really don't do it anymore because I'm not licensed. They changed the licensing here in California, well, in California and Nevada, where you have to go through the whole um, certified massage therapy. But this this massage balances <coughs> the um, energy and the spinal fluid in the brain and down the spine. And it's very powerful. And it's only like a dime pressure with certain pressure points. And it's very relaxing. Wow, that sounds interesting. Sounds something that I would want to have. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I I want to go have one now after <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> when, uh, and you're uh, a Reiki master. You also, if I read, uh, you are also, uh, when you're doing Reiki, there's thousands of Reiki masters around the world. And uh, and we are doing with the, uh, Reiki to other people, but there are different kinds of quality of Reiki, of Reiki people in the different world. That's my, my experience with them. I'm not going to say it's bad or good because that's putting judgment and that's not how it should work. But I, um, but how you would differ into between Reikis to Reiki uh, people? Because I, I have my experience in one of them. I remember there was a ceremony with a bunch of Reikis, and we were sharing Reiki, uh, Reiki. And one of them, the one that was directing this, the the group, he was telling the problems every time he was doing the Reiki, all the problems that he had in his day, and and so for economical problems and this and that, and to the person who was doing Reiki. And it was like, you're passing all that energy to the person you're doing Reiki. So when it was my turn, it's like, no, don't touch me. <laughs> like, but how would you, um, how would you experience that? Have you seen that with other Reiki masters? Because so the people, when they go and look for a Reiki practitioner, what do they should look for? Because I, everybody already, I believe, I know that they know what is Reiki. But what if they should look into practitioners? <laughs> you know, that is a good question. And I know that in the future that I will be working on this with the integrity. You know, that a podcast I did about integrity and healing. And, you know, you really need to know what you're getting into. It's funny that you bring this up. Because my very first experience with Reiki, having been a client, I had a friend that had a friend that was a second degree Reiki practitioner. And so this person was also a very gifted and talented psychic medium. And so this was a long distance Reiki session I had and this practitioner proceeded to go and tell everything that happened in the session to my friend and not tell me but what's interesting Monica is that that whole situation was a mirror of things that I need to heal in my own life. And so 
it was, I see it more as a gift. Yeah. Because I was learning too how to become a better Reiki master teacher. I would, I, you know, it wasn't even on my radar at that time, but my experiences from having, you know, whether they're good, bad, you know, I was looking at those and going, this is what I'm not going to do in my sessions. Yes. Because you have to have integrity. What would I, I would um, really look at reviews and talk to other people before proceeding with working with somebody. And if you don't feel it's right, then don't do it. And and yeah. go with your gut instinct, you know? And I probably should have then too, so. <laughs> it's because sometimes as, as psychics or empaths, what we do is, we feel the person is like, oh, okay, I can work with this person because we're feeling it inside. But we're not completely aware of the other sides of them. And that's where we get messed up because we're just focusing in the light. Oh, this is shiny. But there's also some something behind. And yes, I believe, I agree with you. Integrity and ethics are important in all the, our, all the practitioners of any kind. Right, because they trust our clients trust in us, and uh, and it's not up to us. We're gonna be telling everybody what is their, what do we work on them or not. I, I I think that's with anything. It could be a doctor, it could be a plumber, it could be electrician, it could be an attorney. You know, you're always gonna have to deal with um, you know, sussing out the right situation for you and what's gonna work for you. It is fine that you can put examples when you're explaining in your classes. I had a client that has this and this and this problem, but never mentioned their name or never mentioned specifics for the people can pick and point. Oh, it's that person. Because then that's you're overpassing that boundary that it should not be overpassed because we should be professionals and people are trusting in us. Absolutely, absolutely. It's confidential information, whatever yeah. comes through. I saw also that you're a sound healer. Yes. And as a sound healer, what are you doing with it? What do I do with it? Yes, because there are many kinds. There are light language, there are uh, singing bowls, crystal bowls, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's kind of funny. I had a reading done by an angel reader. And she said, well, crystal bowls would be good for you. And I'm like, okay. Well, I was working on a story and I'm like, I'm going to put this aside and stop writing. I went on Facebook and there was this big crystal bowl. And it was an event for a class. Hmm. And it was the most wonderful class. This, this teacher was like, the sound science guy and he had all these experiments sound experience set up and it was just so much fun so from there what i took from that class was um tuning forks that was my first instrument that i purchased and those are wonderful if you're interested in like um 
adding those to your Reiki practice, those are wonderful to move energy out of the aura film. Any stuck energy. And I use my bowls. I do have um, crystal singing bowls. So I have seven that match the, the chakras. And I will get intuitive hits. You need to use this on the chakra. And um, then I went into using, I really haven't used my drums, but I do have them. So I haven't had an opportunity to really use those in my practice. But I went into vibrational, acoustical um, sound healing, which um, I have a sound table. Okay. And um, the different frequencies are played through the table that vibrates, as well as the client has earphones on. And so you can treat different ailments, different diseases with the different frequencies. Oh. And it's very powerful. Yeah, um, you know, I had an experience with spirit in that, so I'm learning my lessons. You listen to spirit, <laughs> listen to spirit. <laughs> They're going to guide you. Um, but it's very powerful on its own. So basically a client uh, book you uh, an hour of uh, a session of uh, of sound uh, healing and to use different frequencies. Do you use light language? You know, that's a rabbit hole I want to go down. I haven't yet because I have so much on my plate. It's like, because I know once I go down that rabbit hole, there's, there's, I will go and explore everything about it. I don't have time to do that. So it's on the shelf. <laughs> you can share with me light language because I understand it's different. You receive it different ways. Yes, we all receive it in a different way. It's our vibration that connects to the other, vibra the other vibration that, uh, from the message is like a channeling message when we're channeling you receive the message of whoever you're communicating you don't communicate to everything at the same time the same applies for uh, light language uh, we open the door to communicate for different beings and that's the beings that they're communicating in, in that language and when we are doing the light language we're trying but we don't have the the words of human words that is where the distortion comes in because mm -hmm. like we know that uh, all the channels we have our own distortions because we're still in this plane where we're working with ourselves, everybody. So, and, uh, and our way of expressing ourselves is going to be different between each person and the same applies for light language at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the Arcturians come or the angels come or the or the Gaia comes or whatever is we're transmitting the message. It has different tonalities and it has different languages. In fact, mm -hmm. it is it is very different between every uh, all of us. You, you know, I think I did have an experience. I you know this was. Back in 2017, I was working with some healers and, um, gosh, 
I don't know where I was. I can't remember if it was on video, but I do remember um, sitting and, and talking, just talking, just talking to this other healer. And they could understand me. I didn't understand what I was saying. It just, our human brain always tried to tell us, oh, what it means this and what it means that. But it's about a matter of emotions. Like when we're channeling, many times it doesn't come with words. It comes through emotion. The same applies for light language too. We don't know exactly what we just said. But we can say, oh, it feels like it's through the heart chakra or releasing this or activating this or because we we have a knowing that what is what is that language about. We can say, oh, they say this and this and this and this because that's very human and there are no humans to start. Well, I know this is very different from what you're talking about, but one morning I woke up great. I said one word. I knew what it meant. And um, because I got downloads prior to this um, and visions, I, I um, was able to um, solve a puzzle because I, I had code in my head from a vision and I could only remember one. So then I knew it was Greek and I was able to finally decipher it. That is, that is awesome. I love downloads. Sometimes we don't know how, or how do you know? I am, I am the kind of person that sometimes I receive the downloads and I don't know for what they're used for until later on. And uh, in, in your case, how are your downloads? My downloads are very, um, I got really freaked out the first time I had downloads. Because I was in my office by myself and I was listening. I actually had my TV set up on YouTube and I was listening to Led Zeppelin. And I was like, I, do you ever get that spiritual high through you where you feel super high? I was like that for days and I'm like, I need to turn this off because I feel like I'm going crazy. Well, it has something to do with my story. And I still don't completely understand it. But a few months later, I saw a medium and the medium's like, you're not going crazy. You are getting messages. So I'm sorry, what was your question? I kind of got off. <laughs> How are my downloads? That was my first download. Um, so this last summer in July, I had a lot of downloads and um, I think something got activated in me with um, learning how to channel through the Kaushik Records this last year. And um, so I get information and I call them hits, psychic hits. And so with the information I get, I have to go research online. Mm -hmm. and, and then I will get different hits and I will just, I'm like a mess researching online. I'll have 10 windows open and 
So, um, but this is all part of my story that I'm writing, which is, it's, it's all, oops, oops, one second. You were telling us about your story about uh, when you were doing the channeling. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I just, it's just, I feel like I'm going crazy because it's, I'm getting all kinds of different hits and different avenues to go down. And um, it's been a very interesting last three years doing this Um writing this book it's just been this incredible process it's um encompasses two other lifetimes of mine that were very epic and um there was a there's a mission involved so this i feel like this whole process is just me trying to remember okay. and I, it, i have all these little puzzle pieces to put together and make sense out of and share in a book. That's the book that you mentioned. Uh, that's the, uh, the the book you're talking about is the theory of eight. Yes, the theory of eight. Yes. So this basically that book is about your remembering who you were and completing this mission that happened that I couldn't finish for. I keep getting to where I can't finish this mission, but this is the lifetime it's going to be completed. So it started with this book. So I wrote master in the making, and this is about self mastery and um, becoming going from the skeptic to the believer in in healing modalities. And um, so I had visions that I didn't know what they meant, but they were very important to the story. And um, one took place back in Egypt with Gilgamesh okay. and, and Ishtar. And so I was actually Inkadu, I was Gilgamesh's best friend. And hmm. I was a woman in that lifetime not a man and I was um, burned at the stake because um, our world had changed very much at that point in history and I knew the truth so that's why they had to get rid of me and then um, Gilgamesh I left him a list of things to do and um, hide the truth until it was time to be revealed. And so, of course, all these people are with me, this soul family that's trying to help me do this stuff. Um, so he hid those things and I've channeled where they're at and what's there. So part of them is Gilgamesh and I were going to start a new society in Egypt. And there's blueprints of basically the beginnings of the pyramids there in 
these things haven't been found yet. So this is this is um, antiquities that will back up what I'm writing. I know as well, almost I can say as a fact, at least for myself, that we are remembering more and more and more who we are and, and past lives that they are related to this timeline that that has to do with whatever we are working on in this timeline. So we can complete this is the completion time for all of us. And right. you remember great. If you don't remember, well, see you in the next one. <laughs> Yeah, so the next lifetime, and it took me a long time. I I had a vision of this old, ugly woman, and I somehow 1787 was, it just came out of the ozone. I, it just, I was going to name my band 1787 because I thought it was cool. Well, it turns out this vision I had was of 1787 and there's an actual story if you google 1787 witch in philadelphia the story will come up and i don't know i still don't understand what it all means but i was thomas Paine in that lifetime and i almost completed my mission and there's also antiquities that are still unfound that he wrote journals about what was going on, just like Inca do did. So there's journals that haven't been found. Not all of them are complete, but then he also um, hid a, um, a sword, which is part of the French crown jewels hmm. that um, Napoleon gave him. So it's been kind of interesting to match up, okay, who's who from this lifetime to those lifetimes. And I, it's, it's been really interesting because I kept asking, who's Napoleon? Who's Napoleon? Who's Napoleon in this lifetime? Interesting enough, my ex-boyfriend, who was Galgamesh. Hmm. He wasn't Napoleon, but he's a descendant of Pope Napoleon. So it was confusing. And so recently I found out this friend that I had to let go because it was toxic and unhealthy. He was Napoleon in that lifetime. So it's, it's really interesting. Um, my my grandfather on my mom's side was Ben Franklin. My dad from this lifetime was um, John Hancock. So trying to it's like a bunch of pieces that I don't know how I'm going to put together. I I understand. I I have my stories too in there that are that are quite fascinating when you remember. Because then you, once you remember one part, there are more information coming and more and more that gets related to this timeline. It's not about when people say, why do you want to remember past lives? Well, because they're related to your present life. That's why. Whatever you mistakes you did in the past, probably you're repeating in this timeline. If you observe them, you can then stop uh, 
repeating the same stories. And this this is a big story because this is about freeing people. We're in oppression. And so the symbol that I translated from that vision I had was a philosophy of different beliefs and whether they're good, right or wrong, whether there's true or false there. And so the story will put forth so many things that will challenge our current collective knowledge and our belief systems as it is. That's from your second book uh, called Master in the Making, correct? No, this is this is still the theory of eight. That it, I'm still writing it. It's I I recorded a lot of my my healing sessions, so I have a lot of dialogue going back and forth, explaining where I got this information and how I got it. That's awesome. But you also you have wrote about four books, right? Right. I can. Yeah. Well. It will be four. <laughs> well, let's put it to the universe that is already done. So like that, it will be already done. The other one, you have the warrior woman with angel's wings illuminate uh, your joy. What is that about, that book? That, the, that one and the other one, Signs and Synchronicities, those are anthologies. So I contributed pieces. To that, I can't even remember. That was the first anthology I, I contributed to. Um, and I can't even really remember the story. I have to go back and read it. <laughs> it probably was channeled. That's what I mean when we're channeling. We are there, but we, we're in our body because we don't get out of our body, but we just let it, the message uh, go through and we will forget whatever we wrote or say or sing or whatever we did because we were not totally there. It was not even us. Right. Right. So probably was a channel book and you have the uh, reading between the signs, anthology signs and synchronicities. That's the one you were talking about. Yes. I, I do remember what I wrote in that. And I, I talked about um, my first sound healer. He had told a story and my piece is entitled um, The Shattered Singing Bowl because he told the story about working on this man that had a lot of grief in his heart. And so he pulled out the heart chakra bowl and he was playing this on top of him. And he broke through that grief with that client. But at the same time what happened was the bowl shattered and during the class he was telling the story and he took a break and he brought out the pieces of that bowl he kept that bowl and the way it was broken because it was just so beautiful because it's It's symbolic of breaking through that grief and breaking free from feeling that grief. 
in our heart. We have, I have the experience that sometimes my quartz or any stone that it did the work that it was to protect me or whatever it was, I was working with them. It, it have shattered on me and it just have exploded. And it's like, oh my God, it was hanging. It's like, oh, okay, I need a new one. <laughs> you know? But it did the work that it was supposed to do and, and it breaks right. and it's broke. It's interesting. I never experienced that. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> it'll be interesting. Well, I did have a Reiki session with somebody and stones were flying off of me. <laughs> no, it happened to me. It is very, very, very interesting. I have a question. Uh, when you channel, who do you channel? Any being or you have a particular guides that you like to talk with them? Because we feel more... We have we can have many friends, but there is some particular that we're more in tune with it. I don't know who I'm at. I it's I just call it spirit. And I don't particularly just go to one person. But what's interesting when I have been opening the Akashic records for people, I see the same hallway and alcove every time almost every time lately. And depending on who I have the records open for, so somebody wanted to know who their spirit guide was. And so as soon as I opened them, their, their spirit guard guide was right there. And I'm describing them, you know, and it, it, I just feel it's spirit helping me. I don't, and that's who I give appreciation and gratitude to. I I tend to channel too much my my higher self. Mm-hmm. That's the one I trust more than any other of the guys because I have the belief that I might be wrong. Always there is a possibility that I might be wrong. Yeah. That all the guides and all the ETs and all even the angels and any being, they have an agenda. Mm-hmm. But the one that have the be- the agenda for my highest good is going to be my highest self because it's my future self. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that it's going to be the highest good of everybody because it's my higher self. Like everybody has their own higher self. But uh, that's why I that's the one I I talk more. Uh, right. Yeah, but I I do ask when I'm working with a client, I do ask for their spirit guides to come in. And if they want to assist, they can assist. And as well as their higher self, too. Because they know better than I know, or even my higher self knows. Yes. It depends on what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm not saying every time I do a session. (laughs) Because every session is different. Yes, it is. Something that I read in your bio that is fascinating. I have done it. Um, honestly, by mistake, when I did it, remote remote viewing. Uh, but uh, but I, but it takes me a long while to connect and to do remote viewing. But you do it. You do remote viewer, a remote viewer. So how that works for you? Please tell me. I can't. I don't know how to tell you to do this. It just, you know, I would. I felt like I had. 
I was being remote viewed for a while. And then I found out that I had been and I put a reverse on it and I saw them. And then around the same time, I was working with a client and I just started seeing them. And I'm like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. So now it's turned into, I can channel the ghost. I can, when I do have the Akashic records open, it feels like I am remote viewing the past with clients. Um, if they're asking about a situation, I can see it. It's, it's kind of strange. So I'm wondering if I'm like traveling some sort of timeline to remote view a timeline or something. Um, I, I don't understand it. So, but it's, um, and I don't, I don't remote view outside of um, my work. Does that make sense? I don't know. It, I understand, but but I I guess you do the same thing. If you're thinking in someone that is living in China, let's put it like that, you can't connect. Well, that's how I do it. I can't connect to that person. I know exactly what they are thinking, what they're doing, how they're feeling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. And uh, I want to think that that's part of the remote viewing because I'm observing that person. In real time, not past lives or not past time is in real time. Yes, I, I, what I noticed myself doing, and I think I've been doing this for a very long time, and I didn't give it a second thought until recently with the remote viewing, is that if I talk to somebody on the phone, I am mapping out the floor plan of their house. And I know how their house is set up. And I'm like, why am I doing this? It's just like something automatically I'm doing. It's bizarre. I, I have to say this uh, experience because this is very related to what something that happened to me my first time that I did a conscious. Well, I was asleep. And I, I went to the house of one of my teachers. I was in New Zealand. I live in Texas. And, uh, and I... I did not knew it was my first time. So I, in my dream, she told me, like, get out of here. It's like, this is my house, you know? It's like, do ask me permission to come. And I was like, in my dream, like, okay. And I went out and I went to check all the town of Hamilton, New Zealand. And I went to check galleries. And I, but I thought it was a dream. The next day I had a class with her and she told me, Monica, when you come to my house, always ask me permission. You just don't show up like that. It's like, oh. And I did it. Later on, she showed a photo, a video of she was cooking something in her kitchen. And that's where I was. I was like, oh, I've been there. I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, it was just a confirmation of all that. But that put me to think that when you're remote viewing, are you having permission in reality to do that? I know the governments, they are doing it. But this is the Cold War. You know, that's where it's, uh, that's when it became more public, the remote viewing that they were doing Russia to the United States and so forth. Of course, they were not asking permission to go and let me check your papers, <laughs> whatever they were doing. Right. But in the spiritual world that we're not doing it for any government or nothing like that, how do we, to what extent we have permission to, to go somewhere 
and still be working in the light instead of the dark. Like asking permission, can I go to your house in China or New Zealand or, or Australia? Can I check that information? How, to what extent we have that permission to do that? I stay in my integrity. I, if I have permission, that's fine. But I know there are people that out there that can do this and they are not in their integrity. And um, I don't know what to say to that. I know there's some insecurity on their part if they're watching people um, because it's a, it's a real invasion of privacy too. Yes. I, you know, sometimes you can't control it. Like I'm talking to them on the phone and it's just something I do. And it's like, okay, come back. Don't do that. (laughs) Trying to control it. I mean, there's not an intention of invading privacy. Something that when I start working with healers and and uh, and empaths and psychics and so forth. I was trying to. That was many years ago when I was when I started this, and I was trying to hide many emotions that I was working on that time and so forth from all of them. And they were, you can't hide this from me. I'm a psychic. I know what you're, <laughs> what you're doing, what you're feeling, or whatever. And that's when it hit me, like, oh my god, I've been trying to hide. Um, to hide myself from people that already read me. And it is not that they have permission or not. It's just because for any psychic or any empath, we're an open book, all of us. You can't hide that from it. Do you think the world is going to go more psychic and we are going to know everything? And that's where we're going to understand more what is unity at the same time? Well, that's kind of what this theory of eight is about. Because back in Egypt, before some evil stuff happened, and I will say aliens from another planet came, which is outside of my comfort zone. Um, (laughs) But I'm trying to embrace that. And um, at that time, we had all of these powers. I mean, Gilgamesh, she was he could manifest things in front of his face. We, but we communicated telepathically. We had magic. We could fly without wings. We, you know, we were able to use our powers to do things like, you know, they're, they're still trying to figure out how we did the pyramids. Well, you know, the psychic powers kind of explains it all. <laughs> back but what happened when those aliens came here is we lost all of it yes there is always a control and so the oppression there was fear instilled in people and the oppression so this is a time where we are going to be freed from that oppression and that fear and it's light workers like us bringing this to the light and sharing it with other people and spreading the message that it's okay to be like this. This is actually normal for a human being to do. Yes. 
I agree because at the end, something that everybody has to understand that you can't hide things from a psychic, even if you want to. So we are all, all at the same time open books. And it's not that I don't call it invading the privacy of others because you see someone crossing in the street mad, you're going to say, oh, that person is mad. Right. And, uh, right. and you just saw it and you felt it and everybody in, <laughs> around them felt it. And that's not dark. It's, it's just obvious. Right, right. You know, I, I think it's all in the intention of the person with the abilities. Um, but everybody has these abilities. Um, to use them or not and how they use them. I mean, having ethics and integrity in your work and and just being a good human being and not misusing these is really important, you know? I agree. I saw also that you do uh, remote paranormal investigations. How do you do that? Or for how how do you do it, and what is the purpose behind that? The the purpose behind it, huh? So I was I started doing a second podcast on Saturdays, so I do free readings, and I had a woman. I actually had a couple different women come on as viewers and ask. One of them asked about the ghost in their house. Mm-hmm. And I actually helped pass one of them over. I think the second one recently passed over to the light. So they're not occupying that space anymore. And then I had, but I, I remote viewed this and this was in Tennessee. This woman lived in Tennessee and I did another one in the UK. Well, the lady from Tennessee, she does paranormal investigations. So she actually goes like ghost hunters or ghost adventures. And um, she sets up her equipment and gets photographs. And so she asked me, will will you, because she knew what I could do. And so she went live and she invited me into her live. And so I, I was envisioning the ghost there and I described one of the ghosts what little did I know this ghost was wearing a tribal outfit and it looked like seaweed to me she's like well there's this headdress here and they held it up and they showed it to me it was exactly what he was wearing so it's it's psychic words, medium. There was there there was other ghosts there. One of them, you know, said, "Yes, I'm setting this off." He was laughing. He was setting it off. I just really enjoy that work. I I have to be very careful not to pick anything up, even though I'm re- remote viewing. But that experience was different. I'm almost feeling like I need to start sketching the things I'm seeing. So. People, I can express what I'm seeing in my head to them because doing that live was almost like watching a movie for me 
because I have the actual background. And then I was seeing what was there that wasn't apparent to the naked eye. So they processed all of their, their photographs and their video from the night before. And um, she asked me to look at a photo. And I'm like, okay, I'll look at a photo. So I was able to tell her that this was another um, tribe that they did these ceremonies on um, stilts. And so that's what got caught. And I, I don't know how I do it. I just do it. It's just automatic for me. It's kind of like you go and see your Brady client when you're working on them. I know I can't explain how this just happened. I know. I, I always try to go back like, oh, my God, how I did this. So I can repeat it. And I can not only repeat it for myself and I can help others or I can teach it. So, but not all the time, I, I, there's many things that I don't teach because I don't know how I do it. I just do it. And that's it. It's just, I can be a service, but I don't know how to teach it to someone. It's like, oh, you follow step one, step two, step three, because I don't even know what the steps are. I just, they just happen automatically, like the knowing. Okay. Like, you know, in the, all the clairs and so forth, the, the, the one is the knowing. You just know it, and there is no step one or two or three. There's to just know it, <laughs> right? Um, in your Reiki, do, did you have to learn? Oops, one second, just a battery. Okay, we were talking about uh, so I was going to ask about Reiki when you do Reiki and your intuitive work there. Was that like automatic or did you have to practice on picking things up in the body? Well, when a client comes to me and uh, and they tell me they, they want more commercial and everybody knows it's Reiki. But sometimes I like to go into more NLP. That's what do they want to transform. And after that, when they tell me what do they want, it's like, oh, I'm seeing it automatically. And my guides are always next to me and telling me, oh, they have the problems with the chakra of the heart or or the sacral or this and that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I stopped doing the traditional Reiki. Like mm-hmm. I, I I learn it. Mm-hmm. I even get rid of my table. Mm-hmm. I what I do is basically when I am working with them, I'm working and they can open their they can observe the things in a different way. So like that they can open their own chakra, uh, whatever chakra they are needing. And when we go into theta level, that's the one. Of, that's how I call it the operative system. In there, I ask to be balanced and, and aligned and activated the, uh, the chakras or clear or clean or whatever they're needing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes my guides, I remember the first time they tell me, you need to put your hands and take out the rods of the head. And like, what is that? And they just do it. Okay, and I, and I did, you know, it's like, okay, and I was taking out of the rods of the hairness. And after I finished with that, it's like, what do I did? It's like, you just turn on that person, or you put that person online, let's put it like that. I know how to do it energetically, but not in technology. <laughs> so I, I did that. And later on, I, I saw a video on uh, Melchizedek. 
Umbalo, and Melchizedek, that he was explaining that there was an ancient ritual that they used to do in the Mayas, because we do have some rods in our head, that that's the halo that they're talking about, uh, that our ancestors were talking about the halo, because the rods were out and they used to do it, the Mayas, since they were kids when they were five years old. I did not know that information when I was doing that to my client. I just follow the instructions, whatever my guides were telling me. Now put your hands here. Imagine you're connecting here. You're connecting there. Imagine this and that. So I can't say that all my my therapies are the same because they're different depending on the need because I'm always listening to my guides that we're, as a team, we're working together for that client. It is not only me. It's, right. it's with them. Right. Um, do you actually see what's going on in your client's body? I used to see it more with my eyes, but now I can see it and um, in my mind, in my third eye, they show me pictures and movies or things that I need to do. So and I think that's the beginning of doing remote viewing. So you're just working with a client. This is just taking it to a different location. Okay. I just wish I can learn the steps one, two, and three. <laughs> so, that's interesting. It's interesting you brought rocks up because I did, I never experienced rocks in a client before this couple weeks ago. And I yeah. saw rocks in their throat chakra. And it was like a gravel road. <laughs> Yes, is we have it here. We have it in our third eye and communicates to the one on the back over mm-hmm. here. We have it here and it goes over here, and they have to and they connect to the pineal gland. Yeah, and uh, you just have to connect them to the pineal gland and extend it to the uh, people. So like that, they. Wow. Uh, Interesting. I'd like to know more about that. Yes. Uh, there's, there's a video of uh, Dumbalo Melchizedek that he talks about that. As I find it later on about it. I'm like, oh, interesting. This is what I was doing. Thank you. <laughs> because you just show that video from nothing and it's like, okay, this is what you were doing. Oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> then I start doing it to myself and I start doing it to my daughter and so forth. Because I believe everybody, we have that halo that the painting, the painters from the old masters, they used to put the halo. Every single human being, we have that. But because we don't believe enough in ourselves, we lost that ability. We just have to get it back. Exactly. And that's what happened back in Egypt. So there you go. <laughs> At that point in time, <laughs> we're getting our halos back here. <laughs> Do you have something else that you would like to add? I I really don't. Um, I just love doing this work. I love helping people. I love um, connecting people from what I see, bringing that to their awareness so they can go, oh, and now they're empowered to heal themselves and what and do what they need to do. So I really love this work. And I love getting to meet people like yourself and learning from you and, and others. So thank you. And to all our listeners, you need to check the podcast and you can find it on YouTube or on Facebook. 
the spiritual alchemy energy uh, experience because it is she had amazing speakers in there, and uh, she was just doing. Uh, in fact, uh, what the uh, what the bleak? Yes, I know what the bleak is. Yes, what the bleak is spirituality the webinar series. So we'll have this next one is on April second, and it is what the bleak is enlightenment. So. Thank you. So don't miss that because that is very, very interesting. And she have amazing panel in, in all of them. So mm-hmm. check it out. And I will put the links so like that you can uh, you can follow that information. And uh, if you want to contact also Julie, I'm going to put the links. So like that you can book a session with her. And, uh, and hopefully you have an amazing experience. Like just talking with her is amazing. You need to do that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Julie. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to share with you my transformational system, Path to the Heart, that I created just for you. Head over to monicaramireswarioflove.com and you will find free resources. In there, you can download a masterclass in how to stop being people pleaser and meditations to get you started.